So it starts with that willingness. Are you willing to challenge your own reality? Because if what you believe about yourself is you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not capable enough, you know, nothing ever works out for you. If you're not willing to be wrong about that, your brain will fight to make that a continual reality for you. Like literally, this is a function of your brain. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome friends to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at MikeBone. And you can check out my work on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. So this week, I have part two of my interview with my friend, Dr. Eugene Choi. And again, this is some powerful stuff. I mean, we're talking about neuroscience, uh, what happens in your brain with creativity and mental health. And we get into things like limiting beliefs and how your beliefs shape uh, your reality. I mean, uh, and when you think about that in terms of creativity, what that means, uh, it's pretty tremendous. So I'm not going to talk too much right now because you need to get into this episode because it's that incredible. And if you haven't checked out the previous episode of part one of my interview with Dr. Eugene Choi, then you need to do that right now before you listen to this one, because this is a continuation and you need the whole conversation. Trust me on this. Now, before I release you to listen to this episode, (laughs) just real quick, I also want to tell you about a challenge that I am starting called Creative Mental Health Mondays. And you can go to creatives, with an S, mentalhealth.com and find out more about this challenge. Basically, what I'm trying to do here is just bring some awareness and conversation around mental health uh, issues that are specifically even with creative people. And I'm asking creative people, such as artists, uh, to create some art and make it around these mental health themes such as depression, anxiety, and so forth, and post it on Mondays. And we're going to have this ongoing uh, conversation on Instagram. And I'm looking for stories behind the art and creations. I'm looking for experiences. And I really want to just try to normalize some of the things that we as creative people go through in terms of mental health. Because a lot of people don't talk about this stuff, and then we feel like we're the only ones who are struggling. So this is my way of trying to open up a bigger conversation and help some people feel seen and heard, and also help some people get motivated to create some art that's around a very specific theme. So if you're interested, again, you can check out creativesmentalhealth.com, and there's a webpage there with all sorts of information, and I invite you to that challenge. So now, without further ado, here is part two of my interview with Dr. Eugene Choi. Yeah, so believe it or not, um, the transformation can occur pretty instantly. It usually does the moment you make the decision. So um, how do I explain this? So this is where the long-term work comes in. So yeah, one of the things I have to do first is I have to get to know your story because your real everyone's reality is different because of their story and what they grew up with the unique experiences they had and the thing to understand first um if you want that deep experience of transformation and you're becoming more aware of this what i'm talking about the fight flight response and you can see it you can see that oh my god i'm living so much of my life in a reactive state and i'm not conscious i'm just reacting without thinking the moment you can see that and you want to finally change it the the next important thing to do is the 
willingness to challenge your reality. I always share a story about this because this was a big aha moment for me. So I had this opportunity to get briefly coached by this amazing coach. Her name's Rhonda Britton. And I have to share context of her story because it adds weight to the words that she said uh, to us. So at 14 years old, uh, she was going out for her Father's Day brunch with her family and her family were splitting up. Um, so dad was coming to pick up the family. So her, Rhonda and mom come out to the lawn. Dad drives up to the curb gets out of the car, says he's going to get his jacket from the trunk, opens the trunk, doesn't get his jacket, pulls out a shotgun, walks over to mom, uh, starts blaming her, starts yelling, saying this is your fault uh, and all that kind of stuff, and then shoots her. Points the gun at Rhonda, and mom was still alive. So mom's screaming, don't do it. Dad had no idea mom was still alive. So points the gun back at mom, shoots her again, looks over at Rhonda, points the gun at himself, and pulls the trigger murder suicide mm. at the age of 14 years old is what what um she what she went through so you'd imagine a trauma like that it it full-on survival how did she survive fight flight freeze how did she fight she kept her grades up thinking maybe if i keep my grades up this pain will go away how did she flee she became alcoholic how else did she flee she attempted suicide three times Fight, flight, freeze. You can see this now, right? When yeah, you're in pain, yeah. you fight, flight, freeze from it. Yet at one point in her life, she turned her life around and she became this amazing coach. She ended up with an Emmy Award uh, winning television show in the 90s, like a reality television show. And she's been on Oprah twice. And I'm sharing her story because she said something that really shook me, which was until you're willing to be wrong about everything you know, nothing will ever change. So I'm highlighting the word willingness. This is not about me saying like, hey, everything you know is wrong. It's just highlighting the word willingness. Are you willing to be wrong about your reality? Because that's what Rhonda did. She was willing to be wrong about my life sucks. She was willing to be wrong about no one supports me. She was willing to be wrong about I'm all alone and there's no help. Mm -hmm. And it was that willingness that helped her get to the other side. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it starts with that willingness. Are you willing to challenge your own reality? Because if what you believe about yourself is you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not capable enough, you know, nothing ever works out for you. If you're not willing to be wrong about that, your brain will fight to make that a continual reality for you. Like literally, this is a function of your brain uh, to create the reality that you decide on. Hmm. So that's the work that I bring people through is the moment you're willing, then I'll bring you through the process of, all right, let's rewire this. Where if we had a brain scan in your head, it would literally rewire. And it starts by challenging your reality. So how, how do I give an example of this without going too deep into it, right? It's the thing to understand is our reality is created by the decisions we've made in our lives. So what do I mean by that? Imagine at four years old, you get bit by a dog. And what does reality become for you? The reality for you becomes all dogs are dangerous. Right. But whether you realize it or not, you decided on that reality, if that makes sense. We attached a meaning to the experience when it might not have been the real experience, such as mm. this one dog just had, didn't know how to be friendly and it bit you. It doesn't mean all dogs are dangerous. But if you take that deeper, this applies to many areas of our lives. It's our beliefs about life. Mm. If you watched your parents struggle with money, you form a belief about money. Money is hard to make. And then your brain, by the way, will reinforce that reality for you. It's something called your reticular activating system. Uh, it's, it's the same reason why if you ever wanted a car, 
a certain car maybe and you drive on the road the next day and you see that car everywhere on the road <laughs> yeah it's like oh it's like the universe is speaking no it's just because your brain has a function to filter out information based on what your intentions are at any given moment that's why you're able to have this conversation with me right now because your brain's filtering out all the other information around you so that you're not having major add and by the way your brain filters out about 95 percent of information in any current experience that's pretty wild wow. isn't it it is pretty wild <laughs> so what if in that filtered out information exists an opportunity or a solution that you're looking for but your brain's actively filtering it out so if you believe you're not good enough and there's proof here that shows that, no, you're, you're capable of so many things. Your brain will go, nah, don't show this to this person. That's not what they believe. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. that's how our beliefs get formed. So if we form a belief about money, money is hard to make. And if your brain sees information on how that's not true, it's not going to show it to you based on the decision you made. Is that making sense? Totally. It's the same, same with the relationships. If we watch their parents struggle with relationships, we might form a, a, a belief in our mind that relationships are hard. So then all of the information out there that can show you how to create an amazing relationship, your brain will not pay attention to it. It's like that friend. You ever have that friend that's going through a really easy problem? Like that's it's really easy to fix, <laughs> right? But no matter what you tell them, they're like, they don't, they won't listen. It's not because they don't respect you or they hate you. It's because of whatever their belief system is, is filtering out your information because it goes against what they believe, such as life is hard or mm. things are really hard. The brain goes, ah, oh, it can't be that easy. So I'm just not going to yeah. do it. I'm going to make it hard for myself. You ever, you ever mm. meet those people? People who oh, yeah. just oh, yeah. make it hard for themselves when it doesn't need to be hard, right? I was one of them. Yeah. Uh, I still am at times, right? So that's the thing to think about. Because of our unique experiences, we attach meanings to every one of these experiences. But are you willing to challenge them and see that it's actually not true? Because the moment you actually see it's not true is the moment you get the transformation. That's what a breakthrough really is, is when you realize something you thought was true wasn't true are we willing to question our own reality that's that's what it comes down to and that's where the deeper work comes in because it's a result of our our life experiences so that's what i do in terms of the long-term work i spend time just hearing your story then i can see what reality you formed in your brain and i invite you i don't force you to do it are you willing to step out of this reality and let's figure out like let's look at why this isn't true and the moment you can see that it's not true is the moment the shift happens in your brain and boom you're out of survival state and you're able to access that creativity on a more moment-to-moment -moment basis and then I guess it's a matter of continuing to put that into practice, right? And live in exactly. that new reality. Exactly. So it's, um, it's really powerful because the experience feels like this, like you ever, you can't unsee the truth anymore. Mm -hmm. This is not about me trying to like cheerlead you going like, Oh, Mike, you're so nice. You're so good. No, it's just, it's just, let's look at what's actually true. Cause the moment you see it and you snap out of survival state, it's the same feeling. Like you ever watch a movie and you thought the bad guy was a bad guy. And the big plot twist at the end turns out the bad guy is the good guy. You can never look at that person the same ever again. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because you've seen the truth now. It's the same experience with our own beliefs. The moment you see that it's not true, boom, it's, it's, it's actually permanent change. You can't unsee it anymore. So that's, that's part of the process is being able to see what's actually true versus what our brain thinks is true. And your brain gets very, very easily fooled into what's real. How do we know this? I always ask the question, you ever been in a dream and you thought it was real when you were in it? And yeah. why can't the other belief systems that we live in be not true? Because your brain gets very easily fooled. You not being good enough, you not being smart enough, you being not worthy or whatever. Are you willing to question that reality? Because it's not true. 100% mm. of the time it's not true. So that's kind of how I bring people through the long-term work.
And then yeah. what, what gets exciting is I also use technology. So there's actual technology that can measure what state you're in to help oh. train you. Because my biggest gripe with personal development was that experience of like, you hear something motivational, you hear something inspirational, you watch a video or you've heard someone speak and you're all hyped up and you go home and what happens? Nothing changes because you're in your usual environment. You go on with your usual habits. I hated that experience over time because after like the 10th time, you're just like, man, this is just kind of like another addiction, the addiction mm -hmm. to personal development content, yeah. but it's not really improving my life the way I want it to. So I was asking this question, how can you fix that? And that's where technology comes into play because turns out there's actual technology. Uh, I can um, I can give you like the, the discount link and all that because I'm partnered with them if you want, but there's two pieces that I always use with the people I work with. One's called a Muse headband and it's for meditation. Uh, there's a lot of science behind meditation helping activate your executive state, by the way. Uh, and the way to explain it is look at, think about this. Imagine you put a device on your head. It's going to measure your brain waves to see what state you're in. Okay. It's a, it's, it's an EEG device, an electroencephalogram. It's the same device you might, uh, technology you use in like a sleep lab or at a neurology clinic at the hospital, they created a portable version of it. So it will sense your brain waves. And now imagine you turn on the app and you put your headphones on and it's going to play a sound for you that you get to choose. So for example, imagine you're hearing some calm, peaceful rain. And when you're hearing that, it, the device is basically feeding to you in the current moment saying, hey, your brain's in that executive state right now. Good job, right? But the moment you go into survival, whether you're getting anxious, you're getting frustrated about something you're thinking about or someone you're thinking about, it will sense that your brainwaves have entered into the survival brainwave. The moment hmm. it does that, it turns into a thunderstorm. Do you see what I'm saying? This is something yeah. called neurofeedback. So it's training your okay. brain, hey, you're in survival state right now, come back. And just like you're, you can train your physical muscles to get stronger, that's what's training your mental muscles to get stronger. It's like, it's like a feeling. You see what I'm saying? So that you get, you get more aware of what survival feels like more often so that you just, you're just able to with muscle memory snap yourself out of it. So that's how techno how powerful technology we have now is. So how is this something you wear at certain times or well, like what does that look like as far as the actual use you, of it? You wear it when you meditate. Yeah. So okay, if you're sitting down for like a 10 minute meditation session, uh, now you can wear it. Uh, there's a version that I use that you can wear it during your sleep too, if you want to track your sleep. Because uh, a lot of times people who have sleep problems, it's because their body's in survival state on a programmed basis. You know, what's pumping through your blood when you're in survival state, you know, if, as if you're life is in danger in front of a tiger adrenaline right adrenaline yeah that's why people even though you sleep for eight hours at night you wake up you still feel tired it's like having mm. a ton of coffee pumping through your blood it's a lot of physical damages that happen to your body by the way because your body is not meant to be in a survival state your heart beating fast all the time right your lungs overworking by the way your digestive system shuts down so people who are stressed out often this is why they have digestion issues if your body thinks this life is in danger is this a time to be eating food no you need to you need to you know run for your life so it uses it your blood flows away from your digestive system and into your muscles because it's trying to survive from a life-threatening scenario so your body takes a huge toll from being in survival state mm -hmm. which is a nice segue into the second piece of technology i use it's called a bio strap so it looks like a fitbit for that people use for fitness uh, and it measures something called your heart rate variability. So it shows which part of your nervous system is dominant, right? The survival or the executive nervous system, right? Sy sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system. And for a lot of people, our survival state is on most of the time, like we said earlier. So I use that because this is called biofeedback. 
You want to, you want to track your body's state, what state your body is in. So it's great because, you know, I will have conversations with people I work with, with clients and I'll be like, how are you doing? And they're like, I'm doing fine. I'm like, no, you're not. Your, your results here clearly show you've been stressed the hell out for the past however many weeks. What's really going on? And then they're able to kind of open up a little bit more. So uh, technology is amazing now where you can track your body and, and your brain. And mm-hmm. that's tools I also use to help train ourselves to get into that executive state more often, uh, in addition to the deeper long-term work of actually rewiring belief systems that we're carrying. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's like all these things kind of form together for a more holistic approach, it sounds like. So yeah. you're measuring and you have some data behind what it is that's really happening. And then that reinforces the, okay, here's the things I need to continue to be aware about and continue to lean into um, exactly. and, and rewire, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, we carry around these beliefs, this reality, these realities that aren't true. It starts with, are you willing to challenge them? Are you willing to be called out on why it's not true and mm. being able to look at what's actually true? Because the moment you can see what's actually true is boom, you've gotten into the executive state. How do you know? You feel it. Like there's no denying the feeling yeah. of feeling great, being in the state of creativity where you're able to access tons of information that were always there. Your brain just literally filters it out because when you're in survival state, guess what? You also have tunnel vision when you're in survival state. Think about it. Why does it turn off your creativity when you're in a survival state? If a tiger's in front of you about to eat you, are you sitting there going, let me examine all of my surroundings around me. Let me look at all the information. Mm-hmm. You don't, you're, you're in a tunnel vision going threat, focused on the threat. Yeah. And when we're in that state, we can't see the things around us at all. Mm. It's amazing because it's making me think about like, it could, someone could very easily be involved in the act of creating right? Like developing skill and technique and all those things um, and doing that on a regular basis. But because of living in this state of, you know, flight or, or just the reactionary stuff that you're talking about, maybe they've never actually gotten to the point where they can truly create because they're not in that safe place. And maybe they've never been right. I mean, is that, is that possible? Absolutely. Because if you don't feel safe, you know, it, it's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because some art that gets made is is when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when right. we're sad, and and people view it as a great work of art. Um, I don't, I don't deny that. Um, but if you also think about it, when you're creating from a place of anger, frustration, you're doing it from a for you to express it. You have to feel safe. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the yeah. act of expressing the emotion. <laughs> if you don't feel safe, you will not express it. As a, a lot of creatives that are artists, they express it through actual art versus sometimes right. ex, some people express it through our words saying, I'm feeling really anxious when they open it. But you have to feel a sense of safety to be creative. You cannot create in a survival state. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. You literally can't create in a survival state because you're busy reacting. So we creative like artists have a process where they're able to create some sort of safe space for them to actually create whether that be writing drawing painting etc so that's that's what i've come to realize is is creativity is a specific state that you're in how we create the options are infinite but Mm. the key core component is you have to feel safe to be able to create if that Mm. makes sense yeah yeah. And that's what I find fascinating, right? Yeah. 
I mean, I think about my own journey in that when I had been suffering from depression and coming through this place of going, okay, it had been 10 years since I really created anything for myself um, out of joy. And I was like, I need to get back to this place of like, how do I just show up and do something? Cause it made me feel good. Yeah. Um, and wrestling through that and figuring out, okay, I'm going to just start with a, a 10 minute sketch every day in a notebook. And it was horrible at first, but the more I kept at it and then it became my daily creative habit. And, you know, we've talked yeah. about this before. Um, and that's, that continues to this day, you know, almost 10 years later now, every single day showing up and that becoming my safe space, right. Exactly. That becoming the place where I could go and, you know, respond to the things that were going on in my life, um, or just feel like I could explore, play, create, right. you know, some of the things you were talking about earlier, what was coming to mind was like, almost describing like a childlike response, you know, when you're a kid, exactly. you're not, you're not carrying all that stuff. You're simply like, I want to draw because it makes me happy. And so I'm drawing exactly. this flower and the sunshine and whatever. And it's, exactly. it's, it's almost like it's pure, you know, you're not worried about people judging you for it. Right. It's yeah. interesting as kids, right? No one's, no one's saying to the kids, like you fell, what the heck? Like, come on, like get walking. What's going on? What's wrong <laughs> with you? We're not doing that, but we treat ourselves like that as adults because of whatever belief system we formed. You see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And yeah. you're right. Like you created that safe space for yourself. And that's, what's so critical because Here's the way, here's another way I explain it in terms of creativity, accessing your creativity. The, the key to being in a creative state is when you don't exist. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by this? If you look at what humans are restricted by, it really comes down to three things. You're restricted by a physical body. You're restricted by time, right? You're always racing against the clock to meet deadlines. And we're restricted by an environment our environment. You didn't choose your genetics that you were born with. You didn't choose who your parents are. You didn't choose where you grew up. So you are restricted by your environment as human beings. But when you're in a creative state, if you think about it, that flow state we talk about, yeah. don't you lose track of time? Oh, absolutely. Don't yeah. you lose track of your body and your environment? You literally lose the things, track of the things that humans are restricted by. So it feels like this infinite kind of space. It feels timeless. You don't exist. Do you see what I'm saying in that yeah. moment? So it's this art of letting go of yourself. In people use the phrase in music, don't they? I lost myself in the music. Mm -hmm. When we're in a creative state, you're gone because you are connected to something bigger than yourself, right? This can easily become a spiritual conversation, but you're, it's the idea of just letting go of yourself because when you let go of yourself, you're also letting go of your ego. Mm -hmm. The person you're thinking that you have to be, you're, you're, you're letting go of your perceptions about yourself, your anxiety, your frustrations, the things you don't like, you've let all of that go. And you're in a true creative state, which feels amazing. And this is a practice that we can do at will. And you have to feel safe to allow yourself to go there, to let go of yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And that's what a flow state really is, if you think about it, because you're just not there. And I, I think this is where people talk about things like my passion, my purpose, my call. Everyone has different words for it. My passion, my purpose, my calling. If you really think about it, none of those things have anything to do with you. The only reason we can't find it is because we make it about us. I have to do this. I have to, but when the key is, no, we, we want to be able to develop the skill of connecting with something greater than us. Passion, by the way, is not something you figure out. Passion is something you feel. 
Mm. And to allow yourself to feel something emotional, you have to feel vulnerable. You have to allow yourself to feel safe. You have to be willing to go there. Because people are yeah. afraid of joy. Because if I experience joy, what if it gets taken away from me? So therefore, I will close myself off to being happy, right? Or whatever. Mm. Everyone has their own survival mechanisms. But the key here is when you allow yourself to go there because you feel safe, then you're able to feel safe enough to let go of yourself. Because I'm dissecting this. This is what you're doing when you're in that flow state, in that creative yeah. mode. You're letting go of yourself. You're literally letting go of yourself, your ego, your, your, your negative thoughts, your fears, your frustrations. And that's what a safe space really is. It's a safe space to just let go of yourself so, to, so that you can get consumed by whatever you get consumed by. That's where inspiration comes from. Mm. Inspiration is always knocking on the door to try to come <laughs> in. But if you're in survival state, you're going, no, I'm too busy fighting to find you. That's the irony, even mm. though it's there trying to come in. Right. Looking for the muse, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. for my, I'm waiting for my inspiration. It's like, no, yeah. you're not. You're just afraid to allow yourself to let go of the things you're afraid of, to let the yeah. inspiration come inside of you. Yeah. And that's where inspiration, motivation, like that's, that's what I talk about. Like if, if you want to talk about motivation, inspiration, creativity, you have to allow yourself to be willing to go into that unknown space where you let go of yourself because it's mm -hmm. actually trying to find you. Cause you know what an executive state feels like? It feels like a pull. Like you're getting drawn into the thing that you're inspired by. You can't help, but get attracted to it. So you don't need to force yourself to be motivated. Survival state. Remember fight response. Mm -hmm. Survival state feels like a push. I need to push myself to do mm. this habit. I need to push myself to achieve this result. That's already a sign of survival state. Because mm. the moment you're able to let go of yourself, you get drawn to those things. Yeah. Yeah. Inspiration comes and finds you. It's interesting because I can see that play out in my own life <clears throat> in seasons where I've been so wrapped up with striving, right? right. Trying to push. Um, I need to make this happen. These are, these are some goals I want to accomplish, some projects I want to do some people I want to work with, whatever it looks like. And the, the push, 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 push. And, and eventually it just gets so tiring. And it seems exactly. like you're beating your head against the wall and you're like, nothing's working. Like, what is the deal? I'm doing all the quote, right things. Right. You know, it's, it's not a, a matter of talent or skill. Enough people validate that and enough experiences validate that. So it, it's interesting that you talk about that and saying like, there's this other way of being drawn in. Right. And realizing like, oh, you don't always have to like break through walls. Like not everything has to be that intense and that much of a, uh, an experience where you're like, it's got to be struggle. If it's not born out of struggle, then it's not real. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's less about a conversation about working hard. Uh, you will naturally work hard when you find and you're deeply connected with your passion. You just naturally work hard if you mm -hmm. think about it, right? Yeah. But the, the question before that was like, well, how do you find that state? Because it's about state management. And that's that you bring up a really interesting point around, yeah, that push, that fight that you feel like it, because that's a fight response if you think about mm -hmm. it. But think about how your brain's behaving. I, I had this conversation with a, a, another client of mine once. So this guy is like Inc. 5000, multi-million, all that good stuff, high performer. And he was literally arguing with me why he needed his survival state because he had a rock bottom moment in his life. And to get to where he is at now in his business, he said, I needed that survival state. If I didn't have that survival state, I would not be where I'm at today. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a, that's a fair assessment. And uh, without it being a conversation about what you should have, would have, could have done because past is a past, 
I just want to have a conversation as a thought exercise. And I asked the question, well, what if, because the way he described it to me was this, he said, Eugene, you don't understand. I had to keep my head down and my shoulder up and I was bashing through brick wall after brick wall to get to where I'm at today. That's how he described his experience, mm. the metaphor, right? Kind of like you're talking about it right now. Yeah. Like you felt like you had to break through walls. So I said, well, okay, well, imagine if you were in an executive state and instead of the fighting state of the survival state, because you're in executive state, instead of having your head down and your shoulder up, you're able to put your shoulder down and your head up. And what if you realize those brick walls you're bashing through were only three feet wide? Mm. Meaning why you didn't even need to bash through them. You could have walked around them or there's all of these other options. But when we're in survival state, because we're in tunnel vision, we cannot see the other options. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good food for thought, isn't it? Because yeah. Yeah. Do we really have to break the walls? And the, the, the truth is that it comes down to is it's not. If you think about the, the, the most amazing leaders out there, the most high-performing people, out there, they understand this truth. It's, they stay calm in the midst of chaos because they understand that if they go into survival themselves and let them get you know, washed away in all the chaos, they're in survival state too, and they can't think anymore. It's this ability to be able to stay calm so that you can see all of the information around you. And if you don't create that in your inner world, now your creativity shut off too. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you feel that safety, what happens if it starts opening up your eyes to all of this other information you've never seen? And, and, hmm. and then that, that's that you ever hear that phrase work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. That's what that really means. Now you're able to work smarter going, why am I suffering doing this when I could have done it this other way in half a fraction of the time? Yeah. There's, then, there's something yeah. exciting too, about the thought of there, there's almost like a level of work or, or a level of creativity that someone maybe has yet to access that yes. could be, that could turn out to be like their life's work or that thing that truly resonates with people and has the most impact. And they haven't been able to access that yet because of all these things that we've been talking about. And yet starting to talk about these things brings some awareness and and realization. Oh yeah. That's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Because when you access this part, like I, I don't know how else to explain it, except the word magic, like more magic starts happening in your life. And I've seen it time and time again. And when you access this state, it's just scientifically speaking, it's just like a lot the, the part of your brain that has these amazing capabilities, you're just accessing it or including your creativity. And that's, that's the key bottom line here is if, you, if you're willing to be aware, number one, being aware, and you're willing to be wrong about your reality, and then you explore it more deeply, then that's what gives you the empowerment to be able to shift the things that you want to shift so that you can access this part of yourself that you want to access. And then it just opens more up. I don't know how else yeah. to describe it. And then, and then one of the things with, cause a lot of my clients are entrepreneurs and, and business owners too. One of the things that also happens is you take things, you don't take things personally anymore, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, because you're seeing the reality of the situation. So then when people who are stuck, whether it's an aspiring entrepreneur or, or someone who's been business a long time and they've only reached a certain ceiling in their revenue, we're able to separate the two things. Me not accomplishing this doesn't mean anything about me because I accept myself just the way I am. Because then when you're able to separate those two things, now we can have a real conversation to help you get the result you're looking for. So how do I do this? Like with a client, I might be like, okay, if we're taking your personal attachment, meaning that's not true out of the picture here, the rest, it's just a skill or a competency. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like if, yes. if I'm an engineer and I'm working on a multi-million dollar project, I need a new team member and you don't know what one plus one is, I can judge your competency. That's a real thing. 
I can't judge your value as an individual because that's not, that's not, you can't quantify someone's worth, but yeah. people tend to do that. That's the false reality, right? They yeah. think what they accomplish is a reflection of how much they're worth, which is totally untrue. But the moment you take that out of the picture, now it just becomes a skill or competency. Business is one of them. How do we create a business structure to help you get X amount of dollars based on what your goals are? And are you willing to learn the skills and the competency to do that? Yes or no. And then once they say yes, and they don't take it personally, just like a kid would, they'll try things, they'll learn it. They go, oh my God, I didn't realize this about that. I'm like, okay, great. What else are you learning? And eventually they pick up on it, like how business works, how marketing works, how persuasion works, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and now you're able to create some external results as a result of it, the moment you're able to shift your internal world into one that's more true. And you mm. break those false realities that we're stuck in, that we feel stuck in, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, totally. And I think creative people and artists, they have this other thing of attaching their worth to their creation. You know, it's my baby, right? right. Which totally flies in the face of what you were just talking about and saying, yeah, like, I, I can, how can I not take this personally if somebody doesn't like this, if somebody doesn't buy my work, if somebody doesn't you know, support me in a certain way. If I don't ex achieve a certain success in this, then it is reflected on me because right. it's my creation. It's a part of me. And so right. what I hear you saying is that we need to distance ourselves from that and, and, yeah. re and realize like, no, I have worth outside of what it is that I do and create right. and, um, and approach our thinking differently there. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, look, if, if you were a coaching client, like the question I would ask is like, what's the meaning you're, like I would explore the meaning you're attaching to it. Because if your creation was just an expression of you, you don't tie it to your self-worth because it is you. Like, mm -hmm. despite somebody judging it or not, let people judge it and you don't care because it's like, I just had to express this. But if the meaning we attach to it as an artist is that I need to express this art and get validated for it, otherwise I won't feel good because a, a belief I carry is I'm not good enough, right? So therefore, the way I measure becoming good enough is somebody telling me my work is good. That's a whole different thought process mm, and reality, yeah. isn't it? Versus, yeah. no, I just really have to express this and I'm letting it out because I have to, yeah. not because I'm trying to feel more worthy or whatever. It's just because it's just an expression of me. It's a different perspective if you think about it. That's totally. what I mean by the realities we live in. And that's where yeah. we explore the realities. It's like, what do you mean by that? Like, why, why do you attach? You know, mm -hmm. why, why does it bother you if someone says your art is shitty? Mm -hmm. Excuse my language. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Totally. And that's what I explore. And that's, that comes down to your internal reality. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. for a lot of us, we're programmed into it and it just feels so real, even though it's not real. Mm. And which is why the safe space is so important. Man, I'm sure that there's so many points throughout this conversation as people are listening. <laughs> I know myself where it's like, Ooh, that hits a little too close to home, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, but it's so good because I don't think we deal with these things. We don't think about these things or have these conversations. And when we don't, we just continue to repeat the same things over and over again. And then years can go by. And then people wonder like, well, why isn't anything changing? Why? I guess this is just my lot in life. I guess this, you know, and they, the, the defeatist attitude can really set in. Um, so I think yeah. it's, this is an amazing, amazing conversation. Yeah. I want to thank you for this today. Seriously. Absolutely. Um, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So just as we're, we're closing, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day. I want to respect your time though, too. And yeah, no, <laughs> maybe we'll good. have a, a part two uh, some sure. other time, but um, where can people find out more about you and just your coaching, some resources maybe that you had that you mentioned, uh, lay some yeah. links on us or yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I have a free training on my website. Uh, I know we went over two kind of short-term tactics like the breathing and labeling your emotions. There's two more things I talk about in the training. Uh, you can just access that on my website. It's uh, destinyhacks.co. And I also have a podcast that, uh, um, that I've launched and it's neurohackingpodcast.com. Yeah. So um, you can access some of my um, podcast content there as well. Greatly, greatly uh, appreciate that. And I know that you know, if someone's listening to this podcast, I'm sure they listen to others. And so to subscribe one more, um, I just really want to encourage you as a listener to do that even right now. Um, make sure you get into Eugene's orbit, uh, because obviously you can tell from this conversation, this has just been uh, amazing and this can be really game changing. Um, so again, thank you so much. I mean, really, Absolutely. Mm, so good. So, um, man, until we, we talk again, because again, like I said, I think these conversations are really important and um, can really help just move some people into the space of creativity that they need to be in. And um, I thank you for lending the, the science and some, some thoughts of things that are happening below the surface that we're really not thinking about. So you did an amazing job of just making that very accessible today. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.